0: Welcome to the Data Rockstars Coffee Pod with me, Kelly Peters. And me, Regina Lally. We're back together this week chatting about what's happening in the world of data and data protection. And um, Regina's going to talk to you about the ICO report. And I'm going to get super excited talking to you about um, exam results from A-levels and GCSEs. So let's go, Regina. Excellent. So
1: it was just um, this week, I think the ICO released their 2019-2020 report, their annual report, just looking at what they focused on in the last year and the sort of key areas of focus, what they plan on doing going forward. So there's some interesting reading in there where they've been looking at things like online, providing online services for children and making sure that they're age appropriate, Mm -hmm. which actually comes into force next month. So that might be something we want to talk about in a upcoming podcast, Mm -hmm. sort of their role internationally across the world and how they're linking up with other supervisory authorities uh, to improve data protection rights and processes around the world where they they can and make sure that there's more consistency as we you know we're obviously in a global situation data moves around the world very very quickly and one of the things I think really that I just noticed that I thought it'd be interesting to flag this week just because it's something that I think people have been a little bit critical of the ICO just in terms of their approach to how much enforcement they've followed or gone mm-hmm. through with and we were talking last week about BA and Marriott and, and yeah. the big ones and some of the challenges around BA and Marriott being able to come back and challenge the actual intended fine. And they do talk about what they've done and, and the enforcements that they've done. But one of the things that I think that's probably been quite significant and something to bear in mind is the fact that they they put out there some figures around the awareness of, of data protection and the amount of contact that they've had from the public in relation to data protection and complaints. And so one of the points they made that was since both GDPR and the the Data Protection Act 2018 were implemented two years ago, Uh, they've received 70% more contact from the public about data protection and complaints about companies and how they're handling their data. That's a really big increase, and I think probably a positive side of the introduction of GDPR. I think before, obviously companies are way more aware of the fact that they can potentially receive big fines, that relate to turnover rather than the sort of capped 500 which it was before yeah. which made them more driven or focused mm-hmm. on getting it right uh, which is a positive thing but i think that increased awareness in the public because obviously people work in businesses they've had to go through that process of mm-hmm. compliance and getting ready and understanding what their responsibilities are so they know when companies are not handling their data correctly yeah. and i think that gives them more ammunition to go to the ICO when they feel that their data is being mishandled. And interestingly, the number of personal data breaches that has been reported to them by companies, I think, has more than tripled. So they've got sort of a massive amount of, of work there, just in terms of the contact from the public's increased by 70%. They've had more than double the number of complaints from the public, and then companies as well reporting themselves where they've had a breach. So it's probably challenging for them just in terms of the volume of work yeah. that they're involved in to to cover all angles. But I just thought it was really interesting that that awareness has gone up so much, particularly given the circumstances we're going through now with COVID, the end of, end of furlough approaching, yeah. potential redundancies coming in and the increased awareness of people that they have rights over how that data is processed.
0: Yeah, I think um, it'd be really interesting this time next year, when they produce that report just to see if there is just how much of a marked difference there is from the first half of this year compared and I know they don't do it in six monthly intervals but as a data nerd it would be really useful to do a comparison of April to September 2020 to April to September 2019 and just show the difference that an impact of a pandemic can have on awareness so if there's there already was greater awareness, I would say that awareness has definitely increased more so uh, since the um, pandemic.
1: I think it's probably more that people are going to be aware and in the situation where they need to find out what's happening with their data and be interested to understand it and just be aware of the fact that they have that actual right to ask for access. Yeah. Which I think leads in probably quite nicely nicely.
0: to the sort of main topic of of today's conversation yeah and i think we described before the podcast you may have to rein in my level of excitement in terms of what i think this could generate so one of the conversations we've had is the impact that the coronavirus has had on education in that students haven't um, been able to complete their assessments in schools or their exams they've all had their education not stopped, but delivered very differently uh, during Mm -hmm. the the coronavirus. And the decision was that there'd be no exams taken in halls and stuff, the the determination, I think students expectation was that their tutors and their teachers would make a decision based on their preliminary exams, mock exams or whatever they're called these days. And that would then inform what their GCSE and A-level results are going to be. And actually what has come about in the last couple of weeks is that actually there's an algorithm. And we talked about algorithms last week and about mm-hmm. impact on um, inherent bias and the Home Office making the decision to stop the Boulder piece of software because of, of, of inherent racism. Whereas this algorithm is not taking into consideration any of the uh, teachers' indication of scores on A-levels okay. and uh, And what it's doing is it's, it's kind of making um, a number of assumptions. Now... Scotland last week um, issued their results uh, before us and it was all over the press. Students were in arms in the fact that actually they were super excited about going to their named university because based on their preliminary results they were definitely going getting in but because of uh, the, the Scottish algorithm it was I think they take into consideration where the school's actually located and uh, the predicted scores for a number of students were less so students weren't getting into their school. Now as, I mean it's a long time ago since i done my exams but you know when you've had a bad exam you also know when actually thinking you know you've done better than what your mocks were and to yeah. know actually oh hold up I'm now not going to get to go in to my university I'm not even going to get into my first or second university you know I may struggle to get into my third that's why for me as a student I'd be crushed I think that. I
1: saw um, an article that was describing it's actually a local school in West Oxford Matthew Arnold and um one of the fathers of a student there, his son was predicted you know, top grades place at Cambridge, and with some help from, uh, or he, like, he had some knowledge his own on, on stats and algorithms. And based on the publicly available data that the uh, sort of overarching body of qual were looking at how they were going to implement the results, he actually figured out what the discrepancy would be in terms of it being about 39% of students getting lower than the predicted grades. And at the time, of qual, like dismissed it and said, no, that's not right. And actually, it came out exactly on the, on the button. And I think it's, when you look at it, it's quite interesting because it's not taking a very big range of previous results for those schools. It's only about the last three years. Yeah. And so if you've got, I know they've tried to manage it a bit with smaller groups. So if you've got a group of less than five, they will look at the teacher's understanding of the the children and how they've, they've actually performed because the figures would be too small and, and highly skewed. But I think even with the numbers, when they get bigger, they're then not taking into consideration at all the teacher's viewpoint and it's purely on the automated process. And so if you've yeah. got schools that are in areas where it's you know more deprived or that they get more um, fluctuation each year between the results then that's really affecting those individuals this year based on previous students performance which can't be right and I noticed um, another data protection practitioner was talking about the fact that The Norwegian Data Protection Authority has told the International Baccalaureate that they can't do that. They can't apply previous students' performance to this year's cohort and they have to remark it because it's not a fair way of processing individuals' data because it has an impact on those individuals now, but it's not their
0: data. It's somebody else's data impacting on their future. So I thought that was quite interesting. I think that's a fascinating decision, because if you look at what's happened, so Scotland reversed their decision. So what they said, they apologised in Parliament and there are calls for the education minister to be removed. And they've now gone and said it will be based on teacher assessments because it's caused that much. I mean, students were up in arms and they were demonstrating in this, uh, in England, the education minister has said absolutely no, they are not turning back on mm-hmm. that. There is a bit of speculation about whether or not that will stand true or not. And I think next week will uh, will tell. Um, but what I wanted to say to people and what I think might happen, and a lot of commentators on social media are saying the same thing, is that as a student, I'd want to know what my predicted scores were, what my assessment. Mm-hmm my teacher thought my scores were going to be and as a student you've got a way of being able to do that you can put a subject access request in of your school now prior to the exam results being released which is relevant to GCSE students this week if you put a subject access request in this week the um, there is a small exemption that applies under the data protection act which allows the uh, school to slightly delay how they respond to that um, and it's only until the publication of the results. Right. If you're an A-level student, your results have been published. As of today, you can put in a request in to your school and ask for um, your information. The only way they might withhold that is if you're in a very, like you've described, a very tiny cohort. And by releasing your information, actually it, you may disclose inadvertently other students' information about if, you're, if it's about rank. But but, I think
1: as well, as long as it's about your performance... Comments on your previous results, um, as long as it's related to you, then you have the right to access that data when yeah. it relates to you.
0: So I would, I mean, I would absolutely be advocating doing that because I mean, I did my, I didn't do A levels, but I did GCSEs in 1992. Mm-hmm. There you go. Yeah, I know. So <laughs> old, I forget when the year was. And but had had this algorithm, take, had we had the pandemic when I was doing my GCSEs, I would been much worse off had mm-hmm. you know, with this algorithm because I always did better under pressure in exam conditions with my yeah. results. So I know I would have got better results. To, and then to know that an algorithm has made a decision based on the school that I was at, and there was a whole mixed range of kids in my school, I would have been absolutely devastated and who knows i might not be sitting here today doing this podcast Um, that would be a tragedy i think so but i think for me is that this is a massive impact today and in the future and if we are going to use algorithms we have a regulation that allows us as individuals to say i'm not confident about the decision you've made entirely on that automatic decision i want to challenge that so the the regulation allows you to challenge that And two, it allows you to ask the question, well, I wanna know what information you have about that, about me. So you could then potentially challenge it. So I might be a little bit kind of radical here, but exercise your rights, students
1: absolutely. And I think it's that important idea. I think people relate GDPR and the Data Protection Act very much to hacks and breaches. But actually, it supports a whole host of other rights that you have. And I think for students right now, that right of access to understand what it is that they were predicted to have and then the reasons on which that was based. And then the ability to have that right to challenge the decision that's been made automatically that's going to have a big impact on their life. Uh, so yeah. it's either if it you know if it's legal, but this is you know this can determine whether which university you go to or you know whether or not you even go. If you know yeah, if you completely exactly. miss the grades, then you know you might not even get into your second choice yeah. uni. Yeah. In which case, you know it might not be a bad thing, but it you know it's not the path that you were choosing to take, and that shouldn't be out of your hands. And so, using your rights under GDPR to challenge the controller to give you that information or to allow a human being to look and review that that decision-making process is a really key one right now. And I think there's a lot of privacy experts out there calling for students to actually undertake that challenge directly because they're not allowed to challenge the grades on an academic basis in England. The school can, on, on as a collective, but the individual students can't. So this is one way that they would be able to actually pick up and challenge that decision making process
0: no absolutely and um, that actually <laughs> brings us to a close of this session. i knew i knew i'd be on a bit of a rant so um, thank you for, for listening to me uh, one, indicate how old I am and just how far <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was at school. But hey, hoo-ha. But I'm saying, um, it links nicely with the fact that this week we have been working on our new uh, training platform um, of our courses, which go have gone live on our website as of Wednesday. So Exciting. Uh, I know, it's super exciting. Um, we've got nine courses. If you want to know more about data protection and listen to me or Regina talk you through that, do book on or ask us a question which you can do at the coffee at dbxuk.com or right. we can discuss it here and i almost forgot that's my age um <laughs> <laughs> so thank you for um regina uh, again for an awesome uh, coffee uh, session i'm looking forward to whatever we discuss next week because i never know and uh, yeah thanks everybody for um, for listening